they'll be back, and in greater numbers. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. My name's Roger Heathers, with me is Declan Kitchener. Hello! This is episode 61, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. That's, that's, ooh. That was, oh. a, he- that was a hesitant pause, <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? I was going to say, I don't quite believe you, <laughs> Doing <Roger>. very well! <laughs> I'm only just keeping it together. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing very well, doing very well. Happy to be back with another episode. Um, oh. We're recording on a slightly different day today, so... We are currently in the writing process for next week, and I haven't got anything. You? No, neither have I. I haven't sat down to write yet. But uh, yeah, we're recording on a Wednesday when we normally record on a Tuesday. It's like a whole new show, man! <laughs> this shouldn't feel as different as it does. <laughs> like This feels like a, a whole different way to record. Uh, does it feel different for you? Yeah, it does a bit. Oh, it feels more like the same to me. Mind you, I keep a very bad count of which day of the week it is. Like It's mm. either work or writing. Right, right. The two, the two sides. And of never your... the twain shall meet. <laughs> um, apart from when you take your guitar to work and write there on your lunch break. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, this is all irrelevant because to anyone who listens weekly, it's Friday. It's just Friday, <laughs> like every week. Maybe you could delay the episode, put it out on a Saturday. Just really screw with people. Oh my god, they couldn't handle that. They couldn't handle that treatment. <laughs> Could you handle that treatment? Please please let us know in a comment or review or whatever, just to let you know about, you know, uh, how upload fe- uh, schedules affect your life and your day-to-day uh, working of routines. Anyway, back to the songwriting. <laughs> so with this songwriting episode of the podcast... We've, As opposed to all those other episodes <laughs> that aren't about the songwriting. All those other filmmaking podcasts we've done. Um, I'm going first this week, because you Ooh. went first last week. Um, and I have a song to play. Um... It's called To Have Never Loved It All, and it goes like this. And now I need to take a break, because I need to move my book. I believe if anybody cared that much for me They'd only end up lonely and aggrieved Cause love is for the others who hold each other close and walk away from me I don't want to tell you that I love you A broken heart surprise I can't afford Although I'm thinking of you It's better to have never loved at all I believe If anybody handed me the key The world of love does not belong to me The sunset on the harbor Is something I would rather keep away from me Why, why don't I hold you like the others I'm scared that I will break you if you fall I'll keep you at a distance It's better to have never loved at all Why don't I call you your own ways around World full of laughter I can't make a sound dream I vividly recall us holding hands a 
day of love that I could understand. I'm seeing you on Sunday, I'm hoping maybe one day I can break this spell. I don't want to live a life of silence, a lonely kind of safety in these walls. Remind me that I told you it's better to have never loved at all. Remind me that I told you it's better to have never loved at all. Nice, really quite like that. Thank you. So where did you uh, start off with this one then? Um, this one started um, on a walk um, and kind of got the lyrics first, which is unusual for me. Can I just say, it does feel like a walk song. Like one of the things I was going to say, like if you ever did something with this, you could, I could just imagine like popping it on the end of an album, like a recording of you by a harbour or something, just with the waves rushing in the background, you with an acoustic guitar. Like maybe a seagull to in the very distance and everything, mm. just to sort of get the atmosphere of like being sort of isolated. Mm. And that's definitely the sort of scene of the where I where I went. I went along the um, the seafront near where I live uh, for a walk. You know, just uh, you know, chill out, listen to some music and stuff. I was walking along, and it's like. As the sun was going down, I was, like, walking past all these, you know, couples. It was, like, a Sunday evening, you know, really romantic setting. And you can't help but reflect on the fact that you're by yourself if, you know, you're walking past all these couples and stuff. Preach. <laughs> and um, so I was walking past all these people, and I just started to think of this song. And I got the line... Um, I just started thinking, you know, about these couples. It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. I was thinking, like, although these relationships will end, they still have this moment as a memory. Mm. And I was thinking, it a cool idea for a song maybe would be just the last part of that, to have never loved at all. And, like, although it's an inaccurate representation of how I feel, or, like, sometimes it feels accurate, like, maybe it's better to, you know, never love at all, sort well, of thing. Everyone has, everyone has moments of isolation like that anyway, so it's something everyone can relate to. And even if it's not necessarily what you uh, think, it's a character, it's a persona that, um, you know, has a different point of view to you. It's like being an actor. Actors don't believe the things that their characters do. Mm. Yeah, I mean... It, in that moment that felt true and I thought like there's something about like using using that sort of like sentiment or, or belief to illustrate how you feel that I thought was kind of cool and usually uh you probably noticed like I don't normally like write a song that's kind of that um evidently about what it's about mm. you know that sort of open I was gonna say this is very direct <laughs> yeah and um there's a couple of reasons I don't normally do the the direct approach to lyric writing. One of which is like it it is more vulnerable. So there's that. And then the second reason is because even when I feel like it, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna write a song that's more direct. The lyrics come off as kind of like a bit cheesy or a bit too on the nose or something for my taste. And so this was more like I felt like I I was quite happy with them when I finished them because I, I it is a song first does that make sense like it's it's like it's it's not an entry from your diary set to music it exactly is, like you say it is a piece of music that happens to be about uh you know a particular emotion you were feeling yeah and um i was just rather pleased when i finished it i was like you know it actually it's been a while since this has happened but like, i actually felt good when i finished it because it's a really sad song 
But like once I finished it and like it actually felt that stuff, I was like, I'm really glad I wrote this all down and that it came out as articulated as it did and as musical as it did, you know? It's kind of a weird feeling when you have like a negative song or something or a song that's about being sad and you end up finishing it off and you're happy with it. That's the key thing. Mm. And you end up feeling... Like you say, it is cathartic. It is taking, you know, pleasure in something that you've not necessarily felt pleasurable about. Which mm. is, it's weird, but it's a nice moment when it happens. Definitely. And I've, you know, I mean, this kind of pattern in my life of, like, not really kind of engaging in relationship very easily or very often is something I know about myself. But when I wrote this song, I was like, and especially when I had that walk and I was thinking about it the whole time, I was like, I felt like I'd, that was the first time I'd really, like, cemented that thought about myself or even that belief I'd held about myself that, you know, as it said in the song, maybe it's better to have never loved at all. Um, and from from knowing that, it's almost like you can kind of move forward from it in some sense. Mm. Um, so we kind of done the, done the lyrics first this time. Yeah. One thing I just want to ask, I do kind of like the ending bit where I'm just having to read this off the topic. Uh, but remind me that I told you it's better to, to have, have never, never loved, loved at all. Mm. Yeah, I kind of like that as a closer because it implies like um, you've almost changed your mind mm. or like are about to change your mind and you're asking someone to remind you of that, but it's sort of a little bit of hope in a, you know, quite a somber song. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you noticed that because I, I, th- I wanted it to be three sections and the third section to be not like, hey, everything is better, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, but like... There's like a path. A, yeah, like... It's it's a bit of hope, and like it's not even like real real life hope. It's like the whole last thing is about a dream I had. But the fact that there's even a dream, even that sort of like you know drop of of belief in in a new way of thinking is is I think like you say a hopeful thing. Um, yeah, uh, I'm looking at the lyrics too. Uh, I think I've kind of covered everything in the lyrics, unless you can kind of think of anything else that way uh who are you seeing on sunday um that just rhymes with one day <laughs> okay i uh, didn't know if that was like a reference to a real life event or anything that's actually a lyric i would like to change at some point you know when like you're kind of this is a pretty bad visual cue but you know when you i'm showing declan here you know when you write your first verse first chorus second and you get to your third verse you're like i know i've got a song now but i really want to finish it and like uh, what you end can up I using fit in cheaper here? and cheaper rhymes. Can I yes, just exactly. uh, describe for the listeners, like the um, first verse and chorus is quite neat and everything. There's like one scribbled out mistake. <laughs> the second verse and chorus, you've got like a line drawn across it, a couple of like errors and everything, but you know, and a, I think there's a word written like above the margin somewhere, but that's fine. The third verse is just like two entire lines, three entire lines have been scribbled out. There are words that have been substituted. It just degrades as it goes on. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's kind of a universal truth. Like uh, you go in using all your best ideas in the first verse, and then you think, "Well, I've I've got to continue this now." <laughs> definitely, <laughs> it's something we struggle with a lot. I think. Yeah, it's, it's me in particular. I guess you kind of call it like third verse syndrome, um, and I I have it all the time. Like the first, the second verse is always the easiest to write for me. Like with most songs, the first verse is like I generally have to try and like establish a melody, a rhythm, and a chord sequence. 
and like a general lyrical theme. Then by the time I get to the second verse, I'm like, I've already got my chord sequence, I've already got my rhythm, I've already got my lyrical theme, I've already got my everything. So I just have to kind of fill in the blanks. And mm. usually by then I've, I've kind of like a few cool metaphors or whatever come to me. And then, man, the third verse is always like, especially if I want to say something different, like I did with this one, it's a bit more tricky. Yeah, because you've got to you've got to work out a way of like developing the message and what you're saying without, you know, fixing everything or going wildly off tangent or you know, keeping it or getting it untrue to the song. You've got to kind of keep the through line there. Definitely, and you don't want to like muddy the waters either, especially if you feel like you've got a good verse one and two. You don't want to kind of be like, you don't want to yeah, uh, cheapen it or. Or anything like that with the with the third verse, so um, I've been thinking about uh, what we spoke about in last week's episode, where we were talking about like more simple chord arrangements and like more kind of a simple approach to songwriting, and I was trying to do that with this. I was going to say there wasn't really a lot um, of uh, unusual stuff in this one. Like mm. uh, it's very nicely put together, but there was like a little bit of triadic planning on D. And there was mm. that lovely chord you were using. Are you in standard? Uh, standard, yeah. Yeah. There was that lovely chord you were using in the beginning. Mm. Which, uh, for those of you who can't uh, see what that is, are you including the A in that? Uh, yeah, including so the A. It's A, E, G, B, F sharp. Very dreamlike. Which is fitting given the last verse. Yeah, there's a funny little uh, tidbit about that. Um, where originally it was, and it probably will be in some iterations of this in future recordings, but it was going to be... I believe... So, like, but then I was thinking, like, it's a little... It's different, but it's a little too similar to something for me. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, especially because I was going to include a C in that, so I was going to go... Well, a C and an A. Like, it just has that written all over it. So I was trying to think, oh, what can I do instead? I, I much prefer that. I think I do too. I think I might want to put in at, like, one point. I was thinking before the first verse. But anyway, um, so, yeah, that was kind of a cool chord. Then another, um, like, a non-diatonic chord that I use in, in the um, chorus is obviously the... B7. I was going to say, you use that in a couple of ways. You use that as a straight passing chord uh, to get to E minor. You use mm. that as a, a holding chord. And then you use it in one occasion where you go from a C down to a B, which is quite nice. Yes. Yeah. Because like normally you're like... going the other way. <laughs> C, B, C, B. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, the, I think the B can be used... Uh, uh, the B being the major six with with a seven. Uh, am I? Is that correct terminology? Major six. With you're, in, a, you're in G, aren't you? I'm in D. Uh, yes, major six. Sir. Um, so that's a, always a good sort of like gateway to go down to E minor, which is the two of the scale, the natural two, um, which uh, I love doing. I love going from you know that major six to to a two. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I was like. Yeah, I suppose like using it in a few different ways in this song was a fun thing to do. Uh, yeah, so it's it's fairly straightforward chordally. Um, I believe if anybody D seven there, so the the song's in D. Talking to the mic, uh, <laughs> so the song's in D, and I'm going to a, a D seven, which is uh, kind of has a magnetic pull to the G. Um, 
for many reasons. Um, so and then you have a G, E minor, really not an unusual thing to do. Um, D, C, which is non-diatonic. See, I thought you were in G, and that's why. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 I can see why, actually. Um, so you have this non-diatonic C, which I always think of as, like, it can be used in a number of ways, but the most obvious way to do it is, like, say you're playing in D major, and then it's a more rocky song, you go... Like, by um, using that C, you have a much more, like, aggressive or, like, uh, energetic feel. Well, a good example of that in action is um, Bad Company Feels Like Making Love. Right, right, yes, exactly. That, um, and then you can kind of, like, turn down the volume on that sort of stuff as well, um, which is kind of what I did here. It's only there for one beat, but it, like... Because originally it was kind of going to be like this. I believe if anybody handed me the key The world of love does not belong to me The sunset on the harbour, which works perfectly well, but um, if you put the C in there The sunset on the harbour, it has a much more sort of like uh, It raises up the emotion of the song very quickly and then takes it back down So it's like has more of a, just a shape to the verse I think is how I'd phrase it uh, and then in the chorus, um, you go to the four of the song, which is G. Why, why don't I hold you like the others? I'm scared that I will break you if you fall. So then you've got some non-diatonic stuff there. you got D, the root, uh, which is diatonic, obviously. Diatonic meaning within the rules of the scale, basically. So in D, the diatonic chords are D, E minor, F sharp minor, G, A, B minor and C sharp diminished. Exactly, and like you can kind of hear with all of those, like they they'll all fit into the song pretty well. Like you could use any of those in in various ways, and it'll all kind of work. But and there are plenty of fantastic tunes that have been written with that. Like most, totally, most of the Beatles' early work is diatonic, and that's some of the best pop music around. Definitely, it's like as a little aside, it's kind of like that thing. Learn that rules, and then break them, sort of thing. So like the rules are diatonic writing and playing which is great it's awesome rules then, in the biggest inverted commas we can find yeah of course um and then once you break the theory you kind of get like some really sweet flavors that you wouldn't get otherwise so anyway uh, a couple of those are uh using the root of the scale which is completely diatonic and then c7 d7 both of which are non-diatonic um in their in their own ways um and just creates this lovely sort of like bittersweet type of thing you know especially over the lyrics you know um i'm scared that i will break you if you fall it just like it really kind of brings you down into a more mellow emotional zone in the song it yeah it highlights the uh that line in particular definitely um and then yeah uh that's kind of it for like the cool little nuggets of chords in the songs the rest of it's very much like cowboy chords uh, solidly constructed with cowboy chords. Yeah. Is that just going up to a D7 there? A D7, yeah. So I'm playing an open D, D inversion, and then way up here, I've got a D7 right here. So yeah. This is what I meant by triadic planing earlier, playing the same chord in different positions up and down the neck or up and down the keyboard if you're on a piano. That was one of the hardest parts to play in the song. <laughs> I really had to like practice and practice to get that right. Well, it's... Doing really that tricky. over a D shape is something I tend to like quite like doing if I'm just jamming along to something. 
but it's getting that remembering to put that yeah that's the tricky bit because like again not a good visual cue but like this chord just so you know is pretty hard to play anyway but jumping around quickly to it is is a tough one uh so for reference that is uh skip the first two strings d 11 on g 10 on the b and eight on the uh, e i.e yeah uh so that was a tricky part to play um i think i can't think of anything else to say about the song i was gonna say you've constructed it in such a simple way that i don't think there is much more to say about it but it's really lovely song i you know i think it's like you always like to close on a sort of more introspective note i think that's an album closer Maybe, maybe. I still want to hear like a version where you're just literally by the sea, have the waves in the background and you're just strumming out to, you know, the ocean. Walking into the ocean. Not, well, maybe not walking into the ocean. No. <laughs> Why can't I swim like the others? <laughs> oh, um, anyway, let's hear your song. Oh, crap. Cool. Uh, this is my weekly song. It is called Sandcastles. Um, <laughs> we may need a couple of goes at this. Uh, yeah. I know why it's called Sandcastles. Yeah. And I need to ask you something later, but you go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to fuck this up, so yeah, I will need multiple goes. Tied 
birds are in the hands of nature At least we got to see it And we can never ask for more Thank you. Really good. Really like that. Um, I mean, the burning question is, uh, what about the lyrics? Um, well, uh, and the, the reason that's a burning question is because I think uh, I have a suspicion about where it came from. Well, in that case, I will let you do the talking. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> uh, we went out to our friend Josh's gig, previous uh, guest on the show, Josh. Uh, Josh James. Josh yeah. James, yeah. And we went out to his gig and... Uh, on the drive back, I was talking about uh, how I can't really remember exactly. Somehow we got onto anti nihilism, which is basically the idea that everything in the universe has no meaning at all, therefore, the only meaning that matters is the meaning you ascribe to things. And uh, this was in the small hours of the morning, I was barely keeping my eyes open in the car. And I was drunk. And I was driving. <laughs> um, uh, but Roger ended up saying something like, uh, like an analogy. Get like, ready uh, for wisdom, guys. <laughs> but it's just like, um, you know, this is all that matters, you know, because it's like building sandcastles. They're all crumble, but I'm glad that you guys get to see me building them for you. Which is just kind of yeah. like, as we were driving up, I just thought, I'll make a mental note of that one. That's quite a nice image. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like... Uh... Just all of us, all of us, you know, we're friends who like make music and write songs. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a little blip. And, mm. um, they are just washed away, you know. Yeah. So that's what the chorus is basically about. Ah, the that's whole so of cool it. that you wrote it about that. Well, the whole thing is basically about that as well. It's just like... Um, One of my drunken ramblings. <laughs> basically, yeah. But like, um, it's also kind of just about like uh, the, the, that night I... Got out of work quite late. Uh, got straight in, straight home, straight into the car. Had to pick Roger up. Had to take a bit of a detour, and then go down to Exeter. And I sort of miss. We missed the first half of this set, but that's the earliest I could get there. Mm. And you know, spent a few hours like, well, you guys were having a couple of drinks, uh, just hanging out with some mates and everything. And uh, it was just, even though it's like financially not prudent for me to do that it was just kind of nice to do it it was so good wasn't it like yeah there were just a few of us there and uh just a really good group and it just yeah it got me thinking like um one of the lovely things about growing up is that all the arseholes go away um <laughs> at least like because when you're in school and when you're growing up and everything you're surrounded by, you know, loads of people your own age, which is nice, you make friends, but you also end up with quite a lot of people who are just sort of flaky or, like, um, are antagonistic towards you or just kind of, you know, mm. basically not good to be with. And I mean, as time goes further and further forward, you get a clearer and clearer sense of who your, you know, true friends are and everything, and it comes to a point where you will do things that are not financially prudent like driving <laughs> straight yeah. after work and then having to drive up that night to be at work for nine o'clock the next morning uh to sort of spend time with them 
Definitely. It says a lot that, like, when you're in school and when you're a kid, you're friends with just who lives near you. Whereas, like, now, it's like, it says a lot about the value of the friendship. If it's like, you know, we don't even live near each other, but we all drive to see each other and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't have, I wouldn't say it like I've got tons of friends or anything. I've, you know, got about between five and ten people that I would do that for, excluding my family. Mm. But I do enjoy hanging out with those five or ten people. Quite a lot. Yeah. And I'll do it at every opportunity, provided I can reasonably afford it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's what that's about. Um, it's lovely. What a lovely concept. Oh, thank you. Um, and, yeah, I came up with the words for that on the Sunday, just because I didn't have much time to do any writing. Uh, after this trip, which I think was on the Friday? Friday, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I had an idea throughout the whole of the week. Basically, at the start of the week where I work, we managed to get some Jimi Hendrix on. And I was just thinking, I'd love to like write a riffy kind of song and ones that sort of use more, not just like the cowboy chords, but like something a bit different. Mm, that shows. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I ended up thinking, well, what riff can I do? And it I, just fiddling around in E major... <laughs> because it's quite a nice one to play on guitar, this scale. Um, I ended up just coming up with this. Mm. And I had that for, like, the first half of the week. I didn't really have anything else to do with it. Right. I was sort of struggling for ages. Uh, I was just trying to come up with, like... Like, all sorts of weird movements up on the higher strings and everything. And uh, eventually just sort of think, well, just... If your, ba- if your riff is based around <coughs> the low E, why not? Mm. Shush. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my... Mike's got that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my... Uh, I-, I skipped breakfast this morning. Um, yeah, why not base the verse around A? Which is why it ends up being around a few variations of the A shape. Mm-hmm. So those bits is just basically A. Uh, an E-flat diminished. That sounded mm. healthy. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, trying to put the melody on top of it. C-sharp minor. C-sharp major. F-sharp minor. And then just a classic B to like transition to the next bit. Can I just say one thing, which I really like about this, is, correct me if I'm wrong, but you use an E-flat diminished, correct? Yes. So you're using the natural diminished of the scale, which is, is that right? Yes. E-flat being the natural diminished of the scale, which is yeah. unusual. It's unusual to use, say you're playing in C on a piano, and you use a B diminished... It's it's completely diatonic and it's completely within the rules which I well quote unquote rules which I said before, um, and yeah I just wanted to say it was cool that you used the actual natural diminished. Well, not enough people use the natural diminished. That's in another one of my songs from last season. Uh, <laughs> Shape my days where the chorus ends up being uh, four to sorry five to seven to the major.
think it always works better going up than going down. Yeah, I agree. Because, because you know, because the, uh, because the natural diminished is just beneath the root, um, then, uh, then uh, you know, it it wants to resolve back up there. So it does work very well going up. And also, it, like just you know what you just played them uh, with shape my days. It does have a more unusual feel. So I think it's a cool tool to use. Well. Um... Yeah, like I say, diminished mad. Everyone should use diminished. Even me, even though I can't pronounce them. But, uh, yeah, that's basically it for the structure of the song, uh, other than the bridge, which is just... Which, for those of you who can't see what I'm doing, which is all of you, uh, that's F sharp, B, uh, F sharp, skip a string, B. No, uh... D sharp. D sharp. Which um, is something uh, I've started doing a lot more recently. It's just putting the fifth uh, under a chord. So yeah. that's a B chord. This is it with the fifth. It's a lot like thicker. Yeah. Again, that's something I started doing with um, Shape My Days because it resolves to the E flat, but there's no way you can play that lower uh, if you're in standard tuning. Right. Then, you know, lower than the cowboy chord. Uh, uh, B flat, so I ended up just putting the fifth onto the E flat, like. Is that just to give it more bass? Yeah, it also sounds really lovely on guitar. It makes it nice and thick and everything, just kind of cool. There's sorry, just a quick aside, but it's in my head. There's this bit. Uh, there's an Elliot Smith video online uh, called Elliot Smith give songwriting advice or something. That's one of the main things he talks about is putting the fifth underneath the chord. So oh, right. it's cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can include a link to it or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a B with the fifth, C sharp minor with the fifth, and then A, and then A with the fifth. Nice. Uh, repeat that again and then just go up to the B. Uh, which that particular inversion of B is... Uh, Seven on the E, skip a string. Uh, seven on the D, eight on the G, and nine on the B. Which you end up with a seventh sus six, I think. Nice, that sounds good. It's just kind of nice to build up. Definitely, it really want. It's like a. It really wants to go back to that one, doesn't it? Yeah. The. I love how your chorus is essentially based around the one and the two chord. So you've got the E major, which is the riff, the cool little riff, and then the F sharp minor, which is the two, which you just sing over. It's cool. It's really simply constructed. I like that. Well, I ended up realising on the drive down that I must have nicked that from um, uh, uh, Don't Let Me Down, the Beatles. Ah. Because uh, that's... Starts on the F sharp. Don't let me down. And then the riff on the E. Don't let me down. Huh. I mean, it's the other way around. Like, I start mm -hmm. on the E and go to the F. Yeah. I start on the F and go to the E. Uh, but it's, not, you know, it wasn't a conscious thing. I just realised it on the way down. It's like, right. oh dear. <laughs> I think like when you write a song though, with any technique you use, I think in your head you always feel a little bit 
fraudulent. I know I do personally when I go, oh man, I'm using a minor four again. You know, that's what Paul McCartney did all the time, for example. So there's always like in your head, you got that, you know. So if we're going to rip off anyone, let's rip off the Beatles. Might as well rip off the best. <laughs> uh, Might as well rip off the best. It's not a bad title. Yeah. That's, that's, that's do it. We haven't had many titles yet. Anyway, carry on. And it, indeed. Um, yeah, I think there's nothing more that I can say about that, really, unless there's anything you want to ask or talk about. Um, you, I think we both had quite simply constructed songs this week, comparative to other weeks we've written. Mine just had a wee bit more decoration than was necessary. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a question as much as a comment. I like the fact that... Uh, sort of having a more riff-based song as opposed to cowboy chords came from listening to Hendrix at work. And you've ended up with something where I could see the, the through line, the connection from that, but you've ended up with something so happy and major as your riff. Well, yeah, I just kind of wanted to write a nice, happy song. Like, um, I've just before we started this run of the podcast, I was listening again to Abbey Road, the new remaster, uh, new remix, I should say. And it just struck me how positive... Um, here comes the sun is like that's yeah. a song with no cynicism in it not which coming coming from the snarky beetle that's quite nice <laughs> um so it's just kind of like i've just been wanting to write more not necessarily happy clappy like i love you and everything is great like all that nonsense but good just, song <laughs> <laughs> oh just coming over there um but more positive up optimistic stuff yeah definitely like, it can still be heavy you can still have melancholy but you know, just a bit happier. It's interesting as well with the podcast, like, lyrically speaking, where you and I, like, we live, like, we don't live near each other. We live in different counties. We do. Um, but the thing is, we, we hang out as much as we can. So if we kind of do a couple of the same things where we hang out in the week, there's a good chance that that stuff, because we need to write about something, will get into the songs. Well, this is So I was going to write about the same night as you. Well, this is why I was... Before, when I arrived here today, like, I was saying to Roger like I'm really interested to see what you've done with the lyrics because I thought you would have done something with that what you've come yeah. up with is absolutely fantastic but I was just wondering like um uh was there like um anything from that evening that sort of maybe triggered anything clearly it didn't but like well you've got a great song there, you know so it's fine. It's fine. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but like kind of it did because like that was such a good night of friends and you know friends and beer and Sober friends. <laughs> it, it was. It was just a. Really, it was just a really cool night of like, sort of like everyone I think felt really included and like had a really good time, and um, you know, so I suppose that was kind of somewhere in my head, and then on Sunday having the stark opposite of that just highlighted, the you know the contrast. So in mm. a way, it did kind of influence the lyrics a bit, but just not in the same uh, way as not as, as directly. You. Yeah. But then had I not gone out on Sunday and thought about that stuff, I probably would have written about Friday. Friday being the night that we went into uh, Exeter to see Josh James. That's fair enough. But um, I was wondering what you were going to say about the lyrics, because uh, before before this, as you just said, you were like, I need to ask you about the lyrics. I was like, what do you mean about the lyrics? Because I had this in mind, my song, and I was like, what do you mean about the lyrics? Have you been like watching me walk along the harbour or something? I have cameras installed all along the town. We need to talk about your lyrics, Roger. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> this is an intervention, Roger. <laughs> this podcast is being sent directly to social services. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, I think that's all I can say about that one. Sweet. Okay, well, let's move on to our next segment. Oh, let's let's move on then.
That's why I pay you the big bucks. You don't pay me at all. Let's move on then. God, you're good. Uh, okay, so we've actually had another song in this week uh, from Raymonda. And she uh, says, Hey, my name is Raymonda. I'm a singer-songwriter, and I came across your Instagram, so I wanted to submit my latest single for your podcast. I'll drop the links below. I hope you like. Smiley face. Kind regards, Raymonda. Thank you very much. Let's have a listen quickly. All right, cool. Here we go. Cool. That was called Prey, P-R-E-Y, and uh, that's by Ramondo. Uh, thanks for sending that in. Um, I got, uh, it's an unusual genre for us to receive, sort of like a neo-soul R&B type of thing, because yeah. usually like, it's usually a, a dude with an acoustic guitar, you know, like, yeah. kind of like us, <laughs> but um, really like that. It gave me strong, uh, I don't know about the influences, like I think there might be an Erica Badu influence there. Uh, there's an album by Erica Badu called Baduism, um, and I wonder if Raimondo um, was influenced by that. Um, Production-wise, it was really cool. There's I, some very nice textures in there. Definitely, yeah. It's like, it's it's unusual. There's obviously like a Fender Rhodes type of keyboard going on in there, and then there's, um, you know, the drums, which I think are probably sample-based. But I'd be interested to know, email in if, if you're listening to this episode, Raimondo, and uh, you want to respond. Um, who produced it? Did you produce this yourself, or, or is it kind of like a collaborative project or anything like that? I thought the drum groove was cool, where you could have just had um, the the uh, the snare on the two and two and four of the beat uh, of the bar. Sorry, like uh, you know, like conventional music would normally do. You kind of had this like almost s- poker, polka or, or samba esque feel, uh, where you had the you know boom 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 boom. I like where the way the snare fell. Um, yeah, it would be cool to like read along with the lyrics as well. Um, yeah, because I, I thought the lyrics um, had a cool like, especially when in the choruses when they were more distinct. Um, it'd be cool to to kind of uh, sort of read along as well. But yeah, really liked it. Yeah, so did I. Good one. Thank you for sending that one in. Yeah, absolutely. If you wanna, if you're listening to this and uh, you wanna send in your own song to us, you can email weeklysongpodcast at gmail dot com. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to send in your own song or you just want to send in like a long email or something, just email us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're on SoundCloud, why not leave us a comment? If you're on iTunes, uh, why not leave us a review? Preferably five star, although we will accept less. Um, where can they find you, Roger? Find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, etc. All the normal social medias, all of that is at Roger Heathers or just search Roger Heathers. Um, I'm on Patreon if you want to support what I do uh, via Patreon. Um, and I would like to also mention this is a good time to mention this. Yes, it is. Uh, I'd also like to mention that uh, my album is out today. 
uh, my album Grim, which features a bunch of weekly songs, um, and also a few that which aren't weekly songs. It's out today on rogerheathers.com. I'll leave a link in the description box. Which is basically a link to your Bandcamp. So if you've got the Bandcamp app, uh, Bandcamp app, just search Roger Heathers and it will come up there as well. Exactly. And uh, the album out is out officially on Spotify and Apple Music and everything to stream on Halloween. Um, but this episode that you're hearing today is coincides with the re- release of uh, Grim on just my Bandcamp. So if you go to rogerheathers.com, you can actually, if you want to support uh, the music I'm making, then you can go to Bandcamp and you can actually buy the album. It's only £5 at the moment um, before it's available anywhere else to stream. So I would really encourage that and be really grateful for it. Also, while you're there, you can also find his previous works like uh, Last Week in Munster, um, sorry, Next Week in Munster, uh, uh, To Your Heart's Content, a load of the winter tapes, a uh, load of the EPs. Uh, it's very good stuff. Uh, it's all worth a listen, and even though I appear on one or two of the tracks, it, it's still a good listen. <laughs> uh, as for where you can find me, it's basically SoundCloud. That's it. Uh, there's a link in the Weekly Song Podcast following uh, just Declan Kitchener. I'm one of the only ones on here, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Ta-ra. Ta-ra.